Damaging storms have hit us over and over. Shamrock is leading up the recovery effort. Get a free inspection and if need be, we'll repair or replace your roof while working with your insurance company to set your mind at ease. One call does it all. Shamrockroofer.com. Zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. No timeouts left for the AFC. One more snap. Peyton saying they got to throw it. Uh-oh. Here we go. Somebody knows a bylaw in this rule book. Official. You're in the zone on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm really not sure that it's a good sign that even the Pro Bowl flag football game came down to refereeing controversies at the end. How much help does the NFC need? I'm being honest, I actually watched a decent amount of the Pro Bowl games over the course of Pro Bowl week. And look, it's not it's not great right now. But I admired what they were trying to do. I kind of I like the idea. I like watching, you know, just linemen throwing water balloons at each other, trying not to let them pop, being followed by real NFL street energy from the flag football Elements of it all, I, as a firm believer, that NFL Street 2 is the greatest video game ever invented. Specifically the GameCube version. I kind of liked, liked the itch that the Pro Bowl games scratched. It was like NFL players being put in a mix of like American Ninja Warrior and maybe a little bit of Wipeout and then some Olympic sort of stuff. It could use some, some revising. I hope they keep iterating on the Pro Bowl games. But I at least admire the direction they're headed in. And yeah, we got a little refereeing controversy. We got one more Derek Carr interception in Vegas. As we played for you on Friday, we got one great zinger from Derek Carr. We play that on Friday, right? Ever been this locked in in Vegas? Not this locked in. Probably I'm going somewhere else. I mean, just some good drama, some silliness, and no serious injuries. Who hasn't dislocated a toe playing flag football? Most of us? All right, well, fair enough. Not even in the game? That might have been from one of the other festivities. I'm not sure how seriously that all shook out. But I enjoyed the majority of what we got from the Pro Bowl games, and I hope that you will enjoy at least the majority of what you'll get here in this edition of The Zone on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson right now is on his way to Phoenix, and boy, are his arms tired. I'm Joshua Briscoe over here by myself on this side of the glass. Beards McFly on the other side, and yeah, we made it. I wish you were all by yourself right now. 
It's good to be able to see you, Beards. I can see Beards when I'm in the other chair, but I got to kind of turn around, and usually I'm just locked in on Jason, just trying to be a really active listener, you know? Nodding, thinking, scratching my chin, taking copious amounts of notes. But now Beards and I can see each other again. It's dangerous. Because I just look up, and then I can see him playing Cookie Clicker or whatever. Not right now. I didn't. I didn't. That wasn't a real accusation. But anyway, Jason's on his way to Radio Row. We're going to have a really fun week of shows. I'm not going to like start teasing guests that you know we uh, we have lined up because Radio Row is a hectic place. But I will say, I know what the rundown looks like as of right now, and I think we're going to have a real interesting parade of guests, both to cover the Super Bowl that yes, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing in, and just all the sights and sounds you get from Radio Row. But specifically when the Chiefs are in the big game, I think we're going to have a really fun week once we get Jason plugged in from Arizona uh, coming up again Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. We're going to have Jason out there. Plus, tonight will be the big media night for the Chiefs and the Eagles. And so we'll have uh, Jason and uh, some more members of the 810 crew out there getting uh, the, uh, the the sights and sounds of what it looks like to fill up an arena with uh, bunches of podiums and players walking around. And what kind of conversations is Jason going to find himself uh, wrapped up into? Will he find Michael Burton out there? Will we have some fullback beef? Uh, maybe we get a little uh, a Marcus Kemp reunion. With, with Jason. I think that would be great. I'm guessing they would both really appreciate that opportunity. We'll, we'll see who it is that ends up being. He's talked many times about how good Colin Saunders was uh, down in Miami. We'll, uh, I'm just genuinely interested to figure out who it's going to be that we kind of get a new, uh, a new side of, as a lot of these guys will be out there just able to be talked to in a way that they typically aren't on a week-in, week-out basis throughout the NFL season. So um, excited to hear what all of that's going to turn into for the rest of the week on the show. But... We made it, friends. We did it. We made it through one more labored journey, hiking up the mountain through this NFL season. We made it through what used to be my least favorite week of the NFL season. Especially... Especially whenever the Chiefs weren't in it. That Pro Bowl week, where maybe you got to see if, you know, Dwayne Bowe was going to do anything in the Pro Bowl. Or uh, maybe you get a cool, maybe Tom Bahali gets some extra decoration. Derek Johnson, or go farther back and come up with a lot more. Just, oh, hey, what, Tony Gonzalez is. February's pretty open once again. Cool. At least he gets to go to Hawaii, I guess. But even going back to Chiefs Niners, not all that long ago, there was a lot of sort of tension in that week from the AFC Championship game to the Super Bowl 
because it was also the least actively going on. Now, last week for us around here was pretty busy because we were able to talk about everything from the win over the Bengals through the concerns about the injury status of a lot of these guys. And I believe that we won't get a true, like, honest-to-God practice report injury update until Wednesday, which will be interesting. That's that's typical for your Sunday games throughout the season. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if we see any big steps forward, specifically for the pass catchers who are banged up, Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Kadarius Toney, um, the main ones, because it seems very unlikely that McCole Hardman's going to be able to make the turnaround from uh, the AFC Championship game to the Super Bowl. But we made it here again. And look, there are a lot of big storylines and smaller storylines that I want to talk about over the course of this week. There are specific matchups that I am ecstatic for. We had the uh, the eight ten O's on uh, Sunday Sound Off last night. It was Briscoe, Lebo, Petro. I made the joke on TV if anyone wasn't watching, which I imagine everyone was watching because who wouldn't be watching? But I made the joke on TV that it was like uh, Aaron Ladd had decided he was going to get together the Avengers of eight ten personalities whose last name something they could be serials. Beards, I'll ask you this which question. Which one of those sounds the worst to eat? Well, that's what I, that's exactly. I was going to ask you which one sounds the best because I said just to say one that I think I'd, I'd get a box of Lebos if I saw them on the shelf, but I'm not sure that's true. Petros sounds like that could be a dog food kind of thing. I guess that's not very. That's because it's a pet. I guess I don't know. Brisk is a nice like you know a fall temperature. See, briscos to me are just like they're just going to be nothing but sugar. Yeah, it's that makes just sense. Sugar. Lebo sound like they've got some because like, because I'm so sweet beards. Oh, because of Lebo, the diabetes. Lebo sound like <laughs> oh, you meant because of the diabetes. Uh, Lebo sound like they've got like, some fiber to them. That's true. More healthier. That's true. I don't know what to do with Petros. I think Petros might actually be. That's the that's like the all round winning cereal. That's a cereal you can eat when you're 12. It's a cereal you can eat when you're when you're 30. You know. That one really stands the test of time. This isn't even like a psychoanalysis of like how long Seren's been really good at radio, which also would be a long time. I'm just going purely off the name alone. I think Lebos do sound like a health cereal, though. Yeah. That's probably true. I would recommend just... I don't look. I mean, if someone wants to Photoshop the box art, maybe that would help. Maybe it's sort of a monster cereal thing, a Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry. Do I get to be? Can I be? I'm I'm Count Chocula there, right? It seems like I feel like I have to be. I don't know what that means for the other guys, but I'm claiming Count Chocula. If you suck I, the insulin out of people. Let's take a break. Next uh, three hours and forty-five minutes. It's the zone with Beards McFly. As I was saying, I don't remember why I mentioned the sound off and making the joke last night and all of that. Because we started by by going through like our big um, storylines that we were most interested in from this game. And I think there are a bunch. I am going, gosh darn it, I'm going to make time to talk about the rookie corners and the rookie defensive backs altogether, because I want to include Brian Cook in that. I'm going to make sure we talk about Steve Spagnuolo today and the defense today. Last night on Sound Off, it was sort of a 
tongue-in-cheek. I'm just excited to find out if Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in football or not. Because we're kind of living in this world where every head-to-head matchup for Patrick Mahomes is getting treated like a boxing match where like one dude is no longer undefeated. He's unconscious on the mat. And the other guy's now holding the belt, despite the fact that that's clearly not how this works. Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback in football after he lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl also. He's had one bad half of noteworthy football. AFC Championship game last year. He was the best quarterback in football after that also. Joe Burrow has also had bad halves of football. But when Patrick Mahomes does it, it's a total outlier. So you've got the Mahomes narratives. And I do think that this is going to matter in legacy and the next six months of conversation this offseason. You've got the Kelsey brothers. You've got Andy Reid versus his old team. You've got two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl for the first time in NFL history. Two tremendous quarterbacks who are also both banged up going into this game. You've got these rookie defensive backs against... I'm just saying this kind of off the top of my head, so don't take it too seriously, but maybe the second best duo of wide receivers in the NFL behind the duo the Chiefs just stood up to last week. There are some other good options there. I'm not saying that it's got to be Bengals 1, Eagles 2. But if you said, hey, you can have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, or you can have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, I have to think that almost every team in football would say, we will take that duo of wide receivers over our current duo, whoever that may be for that team. You've got great storylines and great matchups. But the one thing that I wanted to make sure we kicked off the week with is that the the biggest storyline for you, assuming you are a Chiefs fan listening to this, safe assumption, the most important thing for you to know is that they are back here again. And I know that at this point, it's become almost cliche to be like, hey, don't take Patrick Mahomes for granted. But don't you take Patrick Mahomes for granted. Hey, don't take Andy Reid and this Chiefs organization for granted. But don't you take Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this Chiefs organization for granted. Seriously. I know you've heard it a lot. I know we're all telling you to eat your vegetables. There there are people older than me who have been around more bad football than I have, who are even more passionate about this than I am. But I remember what it was like to, if not literally, figuratively, and frankly, maybe literally, pray that Damon Hubert would be the answer. And the element of it with this version of the Chiefs team, this Chiefs team, and it's interesting to start to see some of the national perspectives on it now that the Chiefs are all the way back to the Super Bowl again. It's kind of interesting for the media to come back around on a national level who saw everything the Chiefs did this offseason with Tyreek Hill, who knew they still had Patrick Mahomes, and I really don't think that the vast majority of national media types were calling for the Chiefs' downfall. If you wanted to say a lot of them were picking the Chargers to win the division, and that's fine. The reason that we can say, oh, I can't believe Bart Scott said the Chiefs wouldn't get back to the playoffs is because he was a little bit on an island there, being kind of a contrarian for the sake of it. So this isn't some like, oh, everyone's just realizing the Chiefs are good. That's not the case. But it's interesting to see the national perspective come back around and gain a new appreciation for what the Chiefs have done this year. 
Because, look, by week, I don't know, two or three on the postgame show, some of you were calling in, and I thought reasonably, saying, hey, how how long are we going to have to say Tyreek Hill XYZ in relation to everything the Chiefs do? And I hope you you understand my direction on this, the point of bringing up Tyreek Hill here on the Monday before the Super Bowl that he's not playing in, but the Chiefs are. I don't mention him now in the context that I think a lot of you were frustrated with in the offseason and early in the season, because, hey, again, I get it. A lot of that narrative was, oh, man, the Chiefs just shipped off Tyreek Hill. Boy, this offense is going to take a step back, really opens things up for the Chargers. Bart, what do you think? Oh, I don't think the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs at all. What? Wait, hold on. Whoa, hey, calm down. That's now we've gotten too far. No, 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 no. That was just a reference for Beards. And big Liam Neeson fans. I'm mentioning Tyreek Hill now, today on February 6th, because it really is remarkable. It just really is remarkable. The whole thing. Going back to the offseason where you were starting to get excited about, oh, how could the Chiefs add another piece around Tyreek Hill? You're starting to see the offense kind of take shape. And then those rumors start, and it feels like six hours later, he's a Dolphin. So what do the Chiefs do? Well, they end up with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then Justin Watson ends up getting a huge role. They later trade for Kadarius Toney. He ends up kind of stepping in right as, unfortunately, McCole Hardman, who's having a great season, he gets hurt. We now know that more or less ended his year, with save for a, a really nice big catch or two in the AFC Championship game that gives you a nice potential send-off if he is done as chief, but really unfortunate timing there. They traded away Tyree Kill and lost McCole Hardman midseason. And they were the best offensive football anyway. Now this is grading on a very silly scale. Because he was the best tight end in football once again this year. But it wasn't any more on Travis Kelsey's shoulders than it's been in years past. Not not statistically speaking, right? Almost 1,400 yards receiving is amazingly not his highest receiving total ever. He caught a billion touchdowns, 12 of them in fact, most of those coming earlier in the year though, as the offense continued to evolve and find its identity. Travis Kelsey was clearly number one with a bullet as a pass catcher in this offense. This is clearly the one-two punch. If it's Mahomes and Kelsey continue to make this thing run, obviously Andy Reid being the third part of that offensive holy trinity, and if you want to make him the first part, that's whatever. But Travis Kelsey was spectacular But it's not like he ended up with 150 catches this year. He ended up with 110. It was uh, 105 back in 2020, just for a comparison. Last year it was 92. Relatively similar to his usage in the Patrick Mahomes era. Even without Tyreek Hill out there. Offense ends up humming. You get close to 1,000 yards from Juju Smith-Schuster, even with his injury issues. MVS ends up having his biggest game as a Chief in the biggest game he played in as a Chief up to this point. 
even without Sky Moore like really being a part of it, even without McCole Hardman in the back half of the regular season, even when Kadarius Tony's moments have been moments and not games, because that's sort of been the flow of his career, frankly, to this point. Really hope he's healthy for the Super Bowl. The offense keeps humming because it's Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey. I probably could have run some routes and the offense would have been just fine because of those three guys. The other side of the football is so intriguing to me now. And I know it's crazy because I really do think that we could do four hours of radio, five days a week, 365 days a year just talking about Reed Mahomes and Kelsey. I, I feel like that is within our capabilities because, man, it really is special on about a million different levels. But they use their new draft capital and also build up their draft capital even before the Tyree Kill trade a little bit, right? They double down there and we had all these conversations leading up to the draft. Oh, the Chiefs can't use all these picks. Well, they used a lot of them. And here's what they got. They got a tremendous rookie cornerback and they traded up and got Trent McDuffie, who fell further than they expected, jumped the Bills. They end up with Kerry Elam, who's been fine. But man, Trent McDuffie's been excellent. But he's missed some time this year. Despite that, still been excellent. With their original pick, they get an edge rusher who started every game in his rookie season, George Karloftis. After that, they trade back and end up with Sky Moore. Not the regular season you wanted from him in any form. Has a big game out of necessity in the AFC Championship game. Huge credit for that. Huge props for that. We talked about kind of the story of him getting to that point. His conversation with uh, Stephen St. John in the locker room after the AFC Championship game. Tremendous story. But not some great uh, regular season production by any means whatsoever. Brian Cook, a rookie defensive back, thrust into action when Legereus Sneed goes out. Justin Reed's got to play up a little more. Brian Cook now is playing more deep safety. One of the best plays you'll see all year. And the interception he forced in the AFC Championship game. Leo Chanel, we were stoked about Leo Chanel. But we also thought he might be kind of raw. Wasn't quite ready yet. Cool. Got some work this season. Not a ton. No biggie. Joshua Williams in the fourth round. All but started against the Bengals. Stood up there with T. Higgins. I don't know how often he ended up on Jamar Chase. But just went out there and played good football. Despite being behind 7th round pick Jalen Watson after Watson was able to kind of win that job pretty outright. He's been spectacular. Not just for a 7th round pick. I mean, he hasn't been Trent McDuffie who's been so good that we're not talking about him because that's generally a compliment to corners. If you're good enough, you're not getting targeted so you're not actually getting the conversations. Jalen Watson's been stupendous. Darian Kennard in the 5th round project. TBD. Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh, I can save my breath. We all love Isaiah Pacheco, and justifiably so. Dude is electric to watch. 251st overall pick. And then Nase Johnson, a few picks later, ended up on the active roster, playing special team snaps. Frankly, at this rate, I just kind of trust the Chiefs coaching staff to develop their young defensive backs in ways that can turn them into useful players even when they're drafted in the 200s. Now look, I can uh, I can put a really big 
red mark on Brett Veach's GM history by going back to the first round in 2020. And I had, and in some ways still have, mixed feelings on Nick Bolton, the first pick last year. But I'm going to keep going through the rookie classes here for just a second. Because even if Nick Bolton isn't a modern world consumer at linebacker, do you know what he is? Pretty good, Mike. Fast processor, gets the calls out, good for the defense. Cool. Creed Humphrey, Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber center. Trey Smith in the sixth round in 2021, Pro Bowl caliber guard. Rookie contracts. Every name I mentioned from this year's draft class, those guys are all obviously in the first year of the rookie deals. Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey and Noah Gray is your second tight end and Trey Smith all in the second year of their rookie deals right now. This team's paying Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes a lot of money. And I think that's going to continue next year and for years to come. That's really hard to be able to do. Guys don't win the Super Bowl taking up that large of a percentage of the salary cap very often. The Chiefs are in line to do that. And one of the reasons, if not the biggest reason that's on the table, is because of how good and cheap so many other pieces of this team have been. I I said this post-game, I said it last week, I'm going to say it all week long to anyone who asked me about how this team got built. But everything the Chiefs have shown you throughout the course of this season, and now, as we're sitting here talking about a game still to be played in February... It is a three-pronged success story. It is coaching, it is scouting, it is the players playing. And you need those kind of successes to be back in the Super Bowl as often as the Chiefs have made a habit of it out of the Patrick Mahomes era. It's tremendous that they're back to this spot. And you shouldn't take Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes or any of it for granted. But understanding the moving pieces coming together in this way, I think is a really spectacular thing. I want to talk more about the defensive backs. We also have a great lineup of guests on today's show as well. Kent Swanson of the KC Sports Network at 11. uh, Field Yates of ESPN at noon. And Mick Schaefer of KSHB 41 already in Phoenix. He'll join us at 1. So we'll talk about a bunch more football today. Figure all the local college basketball teams. Maybe we just come up with a pact today. None of us talk about any of them. We just go full football. Nobody has to get drugged through the mud. Just an offer. I'm putting it out there. We'll talk more football, maybe a little other uh, here and there throughout the rest of the zone as well. Joshua Briscoe, Beards McFly, Jason Anderson's in the air or on the way or maybe in Arizona. We should ask him. Radio Row starts tomorrow. Today it's me and Beards in the zone. The zone with Jason Anderson. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to uh, progressively make this show a little more unlistenable every day, which is a pretty tall task. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sometimes you just start talking about the right thing and then more stuff falls into your lap. Seeing some uh, snippets here from an article of Albert Breers on SI.com about how the Chiefs have built their team around Patrick Mahomes as they've shifted into this new era after his rookie contract. I swear I didn't see this before the show started. Looks like the tweet about it went out at like 930. I was working on other stuff. I was show prepping. 
But a couple of uh, little tidbits here uh, that our friend Nick Jacobs over at KSHB 41 just tweeted out some screenshots from. Just think it's interesting as we're here talking about how the Chiefs rebuilt or just kept building around Mahomes and um, where the team is right now. So here's a, a tidbit from Albert Breer. That's why when the Jets offered the 10th pick straight up for Hill, the Chiefs balked and asked for a package based on volume rather than quality picks to try to avoid being the team that got Troy Williamson for Randy Moss. It's also why the Chiefs eventually settled on a package offered from the team Hill wanted to go to, the Dolphins. Miami would send the Chiefs the 29th pick as well as a second rounder, two fourth rounders, and a 2023 sixth rounder, a package they took over a reworked Jets offer fronted by New York's two second rounders. Quote, if there are guys that may not have as high of an athletic ceiling as others, but you just know deep down these guys are really good players, we'll feel good just wanting to make sure we're surrounding Pat with really good guys that are really good players, Brett Veach says. Quote, and they want to make sure that at the end of the day, they're going to value the game, be great teammates, and these guys aren't going to come here and fail. And look, yes, maybe some guys have a way higher ceiling, but we're not in that place. We're going to get guys in here that want to play, that love the game, and that we know are going to be good players as well. So I think you probably want to see it almost mirror your free agent approach and your approach with trading picks with a quarterback on a rookie deal. I just think this is really interesting. We knew a lot about the the Dolphins and Jets having their dueling offers and um, I don't think we've heard that the Jets offered number 10 overall straight up. And when you say like, hey, so the Chiefs could have swapped out Tyreek Hill and added in Garrett Wilson. That might have been kind of nice. And hey, it would have been kind of nice. I get it. That might be the uh, more in the Beards McFly theory of like, hey, if this offense gets one of those guys, though, like one of those like young wide receivers who's kind of a space alien. Garrett Wilson's a different type of space alien than your Justin Jefferson's or Jamar Chase's, but a bit of a space alien. Would not have hated that. It'd be okay. And I'm not 100%. I was reading up on this during the break and, you know, doing a few other things, so forgive me if my back-of-the-napkin math isn't great. I feel sort of like that 10th overall pick is probably a little more valuable than what they ended up getting from the Dolphins, like if you're going to try to trade one for the other. But that one we can get our little scalpel out later and really try to dissect that one. But from a philosophical standpoint, I think this is the right strategy. I'm seeing a lot of people on Chiefs Twitter who I like and have good opinions about things that seem to kind of disagree with the idea. And again, I get it. I do. You want to just have Garrett Wilson, then that would be awesome. But what we just ended up talking about for the first half hour of this show is that by having more shots to take in the draft, and look, yeah, the quality of the shots that you take certainly matters. If you're throwing darts, there are some people who are way better at darts than others. So you got 32 NFL teams, all of them are throwing darts, just for the sake of a metaphor. It's not perfect, but it's okay, because you can get pretty good at darts. Some people are better at it than others. You can practice, you can have years of experience throwing darts. You can believe in your ability, but sometimes it's going to leave your hand wrong. Sometimes you're aiming the wrong spot. Sometimes you just try to aim for the going going a little too specific, going for the bullseye or whatever the little strip of a dartboard is that's worth more than the bullseye. I'm not a huge darts guy. Sometimes you trade up for Brio and Speaks. And then so the quality of the draft picks, never on the ground, Beards. You said his name first, so I'll say the catchphrase. Thank you. Sometimes the quality of the draft pick, I in my analogy here, 
is changing how far away you are from the dartboard. If you've got the number one overall pick, you are standing as close to the board as you'd like. You're three feet away from the board. You could reach out and stick it into the board yourself if you want. Now, sometimes you're going you're gonna to be there three feet. You're going to throw it, and it's just going to bounce right off the board and hit the ground because you drafted Jamarcus Russell. But more often than not, if you've got the number one overall pick, the Chiefs had the number one pick in a draft class. They were five feet from the board. They threw it, and they got a good value, and they took Eric Fisher. Got a nice number of points. Again, I don't know all the scoring and darts, okay? But would you rather have, in this imperfect analogy, fewer dart throws closer to the board, or more dart throws, more darts in your hand, further back? And specifically when you're the Chiefs, if you look, if you're looking for a quarterback, you want to have the biggest, best dart you can as close to the board as possible, and you really need to make sure you hit the bullseye with that one. But the Chiefs did. The, the Chiefs did a little behind the back dart throw in 2017. It was a bullseye that went through the board. Like, it was like Robin Hood. It split another dart with its dart. They got Patrick Mahomes. They nailed it. The other advantage you have by having more darts a little further away. I'm not saying trade your first pick for all of your sevenths you can get, although the Chiefs' seventh-round draft picks have been <laughs> extremely good. So maybe, maybe this is actually the strategy. But when you move back from the board and give yourself more darts to throw, you have more guys in your rotation. You're filling out your depth now with a third... Right now, the Chiefs, uh, what, fourth linebacker is a third-round rookie from this year's draft class, Leo Chanel. Now, somebody else might move on, somebody else might get hurt, and you move up the depth chart a little bit, but you're filling out the depth chart with more quality pieces than just a bunch of undrafted free agents that you're just not that sure about. When you've already got the best tight end of all time, the best quarterback currently living, and the best defender in the AFC... I went pretty like safe on those three, I felt like. And one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of football. When you have all of that, you need to make sure the rest of your roster is there to play complimentary football. Raise the water levels altogether. Mike Dana has become really important here. If Mike Dana is not on this roster, you've got someone else stepping in at a replacement level kind of uh, production. You don't want to go full superstars and XFL players. And so I just think that that's an interesting little peek into the psyche there from Brett Veach as to what was going down from the Tyreek Hill trade that we started talking about with today's show, and I didn't even know we were about to get another fun tidbit from Albert Breer. So I have not read that full story yet because it came out as I was getting ready for the show, and we'll, uh, we'll I'll, I'll do some light reading afterwards today, but some interesting stuff there on SI.com if you want to check that out. And some interesting stuff still coming up on The Zone the rest of the way today. Joshua Briscoe, Beards McFly with you as Jason Anderson is on his way to Arizona. We'll hear him on Radio Row starting tomorrow. But in the meantime, get Swanson to KCSN in about 15 minutes. Uh, Field Yates and Mick Schaefer still to come as well. It's The Zone here getting ready for a little Super Bowl action. Super Bowl week is here. Usually, I hate Mondays. Today, not the case, because it's a Super Bowl Monday. More Zone next. The Zone with Jason Anderson. <clears throat> We're here for a, uh, a one-on-one interview with our friend Travis Kelsey. Travis, uh, I know you listen to a lot of almost entirely sports. What do you think about Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly? Um, I mean, I don't think they suck. <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you that. Thank you, Travis. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 810 WHB. 
I don't know if it's going to happen soon, but I currently don't have, like, Kelsey Bowl fatigue. Kind of like that might happen eventually, but... I don't know. It's, so far, it's been fun. We'll have it if they lose. Definitely. I also, though, just, like, find it outrageously funny that we made it through the entirety of the first week of the Super Bowl Fortnite. That's two weeks, right? Not the not the fun game that the yeah, kids play so. with all the, with so. the flossing and the dances and the dabbing. But uh, I think a Fortnite's two weeks. We got through the first half of the Fortnite. Yeet. And there's been no trash talk to speak of that you cannot find a hot take. You can't... It, it, Nowhere to be found. Which feels right, I guess. But I do kind of like that That I think Kansas City and Philadelphia have found some kindred spirits over the uh, the last, I don't know, decade or so of our NFL lives. I haven't heard from a Philly fan that has anything bad to say about Andy Reid. Andy Reid doesn't say anything bad about Philly, even the ownership and all of that. Spags, too. Start. I mean, it's just it's been a love fest so far through one week. I'm guessing somebody's going to say something this week that they don't mean to or they shouldn't say. But if, even if that happens, even if like Willie Gay kind of steps in it on accident again this week, it's just going to be because he's stuck in Bengals mode. Like the Chiefs just have a little bit of like Justin Reed might still be back somewhere going like, oh, man, those bleeping Bengals. But then someone's going to ask him about A.J. Brown. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, uh, great player. A lot of respect. Should be a good game. Imagine if Joe Tooney just comes out and is like, Ugh. man, they suck. They're not going to be able to get to Mahomes. We're going to just do everything. We're going to own them. We are going to we are going to exhaust them by halftime. This game's going to be over before Rihanna's on the field. 28 to 3. 28 to 3 D's. I'm Joe Tooney. Do you think Joe Tooney's the one who said that thing in the locker room last week? Oh, definitely. It would be amazing. Also amazing, these Chiefs rookie defensive backs that I've been talking about so much, especially late in the regular season through these playoffs. My agenda will not be slowed down. Uh, with a little help from Benjamin Solak of the Ringer NFL show, uh, I got a few clips from their uh, their Monday edition, kind of looking ahead of some matchup things. But it makes me happy to hear anybody talk about the Chiefs rookie defensive backs. Uh, there's a guy he mentions here at the beginning, a winning team member of the 2021 Big Data Bowl. The name he's looking for here is Mark Richards, um, a, a recent hire for the Chiefs that he gives some credit for the development of this group. I think that's a little bit the case. There's more going on as well. But here's Benjamin Solak talking about the Chiefs rookie defensive backs, specifically late in the season as this draft class has just absolutely stepped up in huge moments as of late. I have a sneaky feeling that the the Chiefs are doing something in terms of defensive backs that is really clever and is going to get caught on to because they have a a guy on their analytics staff. I can't recall his name. I'll, I'll, I'll find it here. Who won the 2021 Big Data Bowl with a project that was about charting individual defensive players performance and coverage. And then they brought him on as their staff. And the next year they're playing all rookie defensive backs and all these guys are drafted in the sixth round. And they're all good. They, they know something, something that we don't know is happening in Kansas city because the play they're getting out of this secondary, uh, Brian cook, uh, Jalen Watson, they like, yeah. I mean like Watson, I knew he was like holding his own as a rookie. I remember watching him early in the season being like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. This recent film has been good. Good period. Six round rookie. 
I'm, I'm, I'm extremely impressed with what they've done with that rookie secondary. That's really hard to do. Seventh round rookie, just for a quick correction. And I just find it to be tremendous. So again, mentioning the big data bowl thing, um, and, and this is a, a side of analytics that never get out into any sort of open conversation because teams are protecting their data, and also we don't know how to talk about it. But so this isn't like a fourth down analytic situation. This is a guy who is, again, on the winning big data bowl team in 2021 on tracking individual guys in coverage in some sort of new way. I, I can only imagine what all goes into that. And also, the Chiefs have gotten really successful play from their rookies and from their late-drafted guys since before he was hired, which is why I keep going back to Steve Spagnuolo and Dave Merritt being the first guys on the list. When you've got a fourth-round draft pick in Legereus Sneed playing like a bona fide all-pro, and he goes down, and then your trio of Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams in the fourth round, Jalen Watson in the seventh round, and Brian Cook is a late second-round pick. When those guys can all be on the field together against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and play not just head-above-water football, but really, really good football against that level of competition, that's something to brag about. The Chiefs have an edge there. I think it's going to continue into the Super Bowl, but it's another good matchup. One we'll talk about with Kit Swanson of KC Sports Network next in the zone.